friends. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley, the Muscle Maven Van Houten. I appreciate you being here and showing up for me like you always do every week and like I try to do for you. Appreciate it. Uh, Today on the podcast, we are talking about efficiency in our health and wellness choices, which I think is kind of a term that we actually don't really talk about a lot. Um, In fact, I usually am, am kind of trying to convince people that being healthy is a lifelong journey and something that never is really achieved uh, 100%, which you can look at that as a positive or negative, depending on where you're coming from. But the other argument here to be made is that we don't have to spend all day, every day, obsessing, thinking, stressing about our health if we can start to enact some behaviors and practices that just become automatic, they become unconscious, uh, and we sort of hack our way to some efficiency instead of having to deal with decision-making all day, right? Because we've got so much going on, so much to stress about and think about and make decisions about. Let's not add anything to it that we don't have to, right? So my friend Kristen Rowell is going to help us work through this today. Uh, She's a former lawyer. She turned nutritional therapy practitioner, and she's a coach now. Um, She is the founder of her own company called Energetically Efficient, where she consults for companies and organizations around the U.S. on nutrition, lifestyle, wellness topics. She also works one-on-one with individual clients. Um, I met her a few years back now at one of the, I think, key keto, keto con, keto events, whatever. And we hit it off immediately. Uh, We both have bodybuilding backgrounds. She was a professional bodybuilder um, while she was a litigator, no big deal. Uh, But I was really, really attracted to her positivity and authenticity and energy. She's got great calves, total package. She's just amazing. She's somebody that you just kind of want to be around and learn from. Um, and in an industry and really in a world where a lot of people are focusing more on creating a persona and selling something than they are on helping people, it's really refreshing to uh, know somebody like Kristen who is using her skills and ability to really make a difference. Um, she's awesome. You will get that sense as soon as you listen to this podcast and hear her talk. She's just an amazing human being. So, We talk about the work that she does, uh, and we talk about things like, well, if you're dealing with a client, but this can apply to you as an individual, things like massively increasing your muscle building potential with less time in the gym. This is a thing that can happen. It's not just about hours. It's about focus and intention and efficiency. When biohacking tools, I'm using air quotes here, can actually be really effective. You know, I talk a lot about how biohacking is sort of um, either ineffective or it's the kind of thing that takes you for like 1% higher uh, when you're at the end and you've maxed out every other more effective thing that you can do. Um, But in some cases, there are tools that we could label as biohacking that are going to move the needle if we're doing other things right too. So I think it's something to um, consider. We talk about stress management among type A, super type A professionals, executives, athletes, because that's who she is and that's where she comes from and that's who she works with. Um, And I know that so often maybe myself, other people on the internet are saying like, just, you know, take deep breaths and manage your stress to which a lot of people might 
roll their eyes and say, yeah, okay, that's sure. Okay, but how? And she can talk to you about how. Uh, And then she talks about what she means by nutrition frequency. Um, And that is not actually, in this case, talking about how often you're eating, but it's more about the energy and mindfulness that you bring to eating. So the overall feeling here is one of positivity and sharing and learning, but also about how to, at the end of the day, she and I are both pretty, you know, type A, let's get to the point kind of people. And so she's bringing some answers. She's bringing some efficiency um, to this conversation and how we can just kind of cut through a lot of the time-wasting stuff and get to how we can be healthier, happier, um, more energetically efficient people. So that's that. I'll leave you to it. No more rambling from me. Here is my interview with the awesome Kristen Rowell. All right, Kristen, finally, you are on the podcast. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We already like launched immediately into very excited conversation. And I'm like, press record. We got to press record because (laughs) this is what tends to happen. Um, So how are you doing? Like, let's just like ease into this because we haven't actually talked in a really long time um, in real life ish. Right. How are you doing? How's life? How's work? How's how is it where you are? You're in Minnesota. Yes. Yes. So I'm in Minneapolis. So life is great. Thank you for asking. I like to tell everyone that I, you know, the universe really protected me here because I left the practice of law after being a trial lawyer for nearly 17 years in June of 2019. And what, nine months later, the world shut down and everyone wanted to get healthy. So my timing literally, Ashley, could not have been better. And I feel so lucky. So it's been it's been good. Now, I will say when when I started the business, I was doing a lot more what I'll refer to as house calls. You know, I would go to a client's home, a new client's home and perform what I would describe as like an exorcism on their cupboard and their refrigerator um, to help people understand we're not doing these kinds of things anymore. But now I'm just doing everything through Zoom and that works great, too. So it's been really rewarding. And I just love that people are finally interested in how can I really make myself not just healthy, but optimal. Like I'm not interested in making people average healthy. I'm interested in helping them be their top level human potential. So that's what I'm working on with my clients. And that's also good timing too, where it seems like some of the kind of like mainstream uh, conversation these days with what's going on in the world is like what we can do to survive, right? Yes. Not to be healthy or like mentally healthy or fit or thriving, but just like, what do you do? You can, you can survive probably for a while. If you just sit on the couch and just kind of get through this next couple of years, (laughs) are there better options? I feel like there's probably better options. So anyway, um, I know you've spoken about this before, like on your social media and on other podcasts Mm -hmm. and stuff, but if you could kind of just briefly talk about that transition from law to helping people get healthier, because of course you were always super into health and wellness and nutrition, but obviously there was a point where you were like, I want to make this not just the thing that I like to do, but how I can help other people. So how did that kind of transition happen for you? Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about that because it's a question I actually get a lot because people, I think there's a lot of people out there right now that are really trying to figure out how do I serve bigger? 
or how do I make that transition? How do I do that jump and not be golden handcuffed to some stable career that's a steady paycheck and those kinds of things? The short answer for me is I started meditating and it was a spiritual calling. So I started meditating in the fall. Like when I say meditating, I mean regular. Finally started doing it, wake up in the morning, do it every day, do it before work, do it before bed. I hired a meditation coach to get me in the energy of making it a regular practice. And that was in the fall of 2017. And by sometime in 2018, I was like, huh, I wonder if this is supposed to be something more. And then by 2019, I was leaving the practice of law. So it's not as simple as I just made it sound to you, of course, but there's a lot of asking the universe for signs. And then all of a sudden you pay attention and you realize people like clients at my law firm would ask me, hey, could you help me figure out, I want to, I really want to lose 20 pounds or what do you think of this supplement or questions that became they were infiltrating my quote unquote regular life, my career life. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't ignore those nudges anymore. So I, if there's one thing I could, I could impart upon people about this topic in general, it's really pay attention to those nudges from the universe. Some of them are going to be tough. Some of them are going to be uncomfortable. I was even having a few cases that were very frustrating where I was getting really confusing orders from judges that didn't make sense. And it was it was getting me frustrated with the practice, right? And I, I can now understand hindsight being 2020, that was because the universe was trying to drive me out. You know, I was successful, I was making money, I was happy, I was liking what I was doing. And that's not necessarily what I, what I was designed to do long term. So I'm, I, to short answer to your question is really listening to the universe and listening to those nudges as they come in. And that's really what got me to do this transition. And it's been really rewarding. I mean, I left at what people would call the height of my career. And so people were really surprised by that. My ego likes to say, and I say this because you and I understand ego and soul, my ego likes to say, oh, top 50 female attorney in Minnesota. And then she leaves a month later. And it's not about that. I'm now fulfilling my soul mission instead of my ego's mission. And that's really what it comes down to. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, what do you think that you take from your previous career in law into this new career that helps? Because I know that you're like me and one of those people. I did something quite, quite similar in that I was working in like a very corporate world that I was pretty good at and making good money and then just really felt strongly that it's not what I wanted to continue to do. And I left, in my case, I left at like the height of the... Um, the uh, like financial crisis in like 2009, when everyone around me was like, you're never going to make this money again. You have a job. What are you doing? You're insane. And I was like, I just, I just don't want to cliche, cliche, like money isn't everything. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I, I, you know, I haven't looked back, but I'm, I'm, I am one of those people who really does not believe in like wasted time. Or I think back and I'm like, oh, I did all these jobs that have nothing to do with what I'm doing now. And like, what a, you know, if only I had started five years earlier or something, like, I feel like everything I did led me to where I am. So what, what is, what are some of the either like skills or experiences or like learning that you had in that career that you think helps you in this one? Great question. So the biggest one, and I've really come to, to accept this is a huge part of my training. When you were a trial lawyer, which is what I did. So I argued complex business litigation cases to juries for years or judges, right? You have to be able to take super complex stuff 
that no one understands. And frankly, that before you get the case, you might not even understand. And then you learn it. And then you have to break it down into really digestible pieces to be able to argue the case to a jury, which frankly, on average, has about a sixth grade education. So I think the biggest skill was taking complex things. And let's be honest, the health and nutrition field is complex. People are so confused whether they should do keto, vegan, paleo, low carb, high carb, low fat. Should I intermittent fast? Should I not fast? How long is a good fast? Should I water fast? Can I have bulletproof coffee? I mean, the questions never end, as you know. And so being able to really review that science and then break it down and teach it, which is what I do with my one-on-one clients and in these courses that I run, has probably been the biggest gift. I've had multiple people share with me, okay, I know that I've had that explained to me before, but somehow you were able to do it in a way that I actually now understand. And that's so valuable. So I think that's a really huge skill, which is just the complex making it simple. And all of us need more of that in our lives. Yes. And I think just sort of a willingness um, outside of childhood to not know something and learn it and to be okay with not knowing something because you know you have the capacity and ability to learn it. You know, it's a fantastic point. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly it. And in having that constant curiosity. I mean, I used to say, I will never, when I was lawyering, I will never get bored of this job, which is true. I never was bored ever, ever, ever. And I will never get bored because I'm constantly learning. Every case is a new thing. I have to go down a new rabbit hole of case law. I have to learn my client's business. I mean, whenever in my life would I otherwise have understood how a hydraulic function on a city bus works other than to have to litigate a case over the mechanism that might've failed. Right. So weird things like that. And, and that I think is a huge skill, just knowing that there's nothing that intimidates me in terms of what I could figure out on my own and problem solve for. And so that's what I do with my clients. You know, some clients are presenting to me with thyroid issues. Some are presenting to me with massive digestive stuff. Some are presenting to me with serious adrenal fatigue. And so it's how can I be honing in on their bio-individuality and then correcting what's going on with them and figuring out a nutrition plan that's going to best serve their body. And of course, you'll love this. I finally had the universe bring to me my first client that had such extraordinary digestive distress that I put her on strict carnivore. So she's been with me on strict carnivore, hardcore for, I'd say we're in nine or 10 weeks already. And her results have been fantastic. And it's just so fun and rewarding. I've been using your cookbook for a bunch of the things. Woo. Nice plug. I love like it. it. <laughs> I, I have been. I started her on the chicken liver mousse. Nice. I got her on some duck liver, but she loves it, which is fantastic. And, and when you can figure out ways to get those organs and other things incorporated into a client's meal plans where they almost don't notice, you know, and you're feeding them nutritionally so they don't notice, that's, that's probably another thing in terms of how I'm serving my clients. I always say, if you hire me, you're going to like the food you're not going to be hungry and you're going to lose weight. And I promise you those three things. And it's like, okay, sign me up. And I mean it. That's not a, that's not some BS sales line. That's really true because it's all about the macros, you know? Love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So are your clients, do you tend to take um, a certain type of client? Do you specialize in a certain, cause you just mentioned like a fair a range of complex issues that people are coming to you with, but do you tend to um, go for female clients or they come to you? Is there like an age bracket? Are there, you know, any specialties or is it kind of anybody who's struggling? You can, you know, you'll work through this with them. I'd say the, the primary themes are it's the driven 
overachiever, too busy, and has too much. They're making too many decisions all day long to have to think about or deal with her food. So I say it's kind of the old me, right? Which is the best people say, to serve. Sounds like somebody <laughs> that you'd be familiar with. Right. So that's really the best people to serve. So I remember when I was trial lawyering, the first time I did my first bodybuilding show, I hired a coach to do my macros because I was too busy with all my lawyering to even think about it. And that was so valuable because she literally said to me, here's what you're going to eat and when on these times of the day, each day of the week. And that's really what I'm doing for my clients. So my clients are, I have a lot of lawyers, naturally. I have a lot of executives. I have some doctors. I have other professionals at a variety of industries. But the theme really is I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I need help getting out of it. And I'm willing to spend the money to invest in my health to have you tell me what to do. And then I don't just tell them what to do. I'm also teaching them. So the minimum amount of time I'll work with someone really is three months. I have a lot of clients who hire me for six months. And then we're meeting each week. I'm giving them weekly meal plans. And then we're pivoting and doing things on the fly, depending on you know what their body is responding to and what it isn't. And I just had, this was really fun. You'll love this. My first um, 16-year-old hired me. This is a male because he wants to put on 20 pounds of muscle. So I happen to be friends with his mom. And so I'm super excited about that. I do have a lot of male clients too. So it's really men or women. Um, I have more female clients, but I do, I do also serve men. That is kind of a fun project because I do feel like, especially if you do work like I do with majority with women, it really, there's really, it's really rare that women come to you and are like, I want to put on 20 pounds of solid muscle. Yes. Like it doesn't <laughs> happen quite as often. So that's like a super fun project. Um, okay. It so is. We know how much psychology goes into behavior change, lifestyle change, getting healthier, all of these things. And I'm curious, as somebody who works with, like you said, a lot of like executives, um, really type A kind of hard charging people, do you find that? Because I feel like sometimes with with that group, it can go either way, right? It can go like they are used to. Um, performing and being goal oriented and they have come to you for a reason. So you tell them what to do and they do it and they just do it. Or it can sometimes go the other direction where people who tend to be the boss used to being the boss, used to knowing what they're doing, they will still hire you because they're like, I, I recognize that I need help and you're a professional in this area. But then the first minute you tell them something that maybe they aren't used to or they don't want to hear, they're like, mm, like they want to challenge you, you know? So do you find, and I'm sure this is of course, like individual to the, to the person too, but do you find that it tends to take one specific course with this, this group or, or what? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. You'd be surprised. It's actually the former, not the latter. So I have more of them really trust me and are like ready to do what they're told because they frankly are so busy with all the other work they're doing that they're not going to have, or, or at least as I've observed, don't either have the time or the interest in going down multiple rabbit holes to challenge what I'm telling them. And truthfully, within a week of working with me, stuff is changing for them so dramatically that that they trust me, which is awesome. And I always tell them, look, I learned this the hard way. I did what you did. I was lawyering and so busy and couldn't see straight many days and weeks of the month, right? So I had to figure out how to become extraordinarily efficient with my nutrition. I had to figure out how to incorporate intermittent fasting in my day. I had to figure out what's a quick snack I could have on a break in trial if I needed it. I had to figure out 
how can I eat a lunch on my break during trial that will cause me to have steady energy two hours later so that I'm not in trial cross-examining an expert witness and all of a sudden I start yawning? How terrible would that look, right? I can't go have a big, I always use a pick on Jimmy John's, can't go have a big Jimmy John's sub with all that bread over lunch and expect to have energy in the afternoon. So it's things like that, that because I learned it and because they start changing so quickly, frankly, they trust me. Um, One of the things I'd just like to share also on that point, Ashley, is this population in particular have some really common nutritional deficiencies that I notice. Mm -hmm. Probably the most primary one of which, which is interesting, is an insufficiency of stomach acid. So it's hypochloridria. So when you don't have enough stomach acid because you've drank too much alcohol, had too much processed food, have too much of a stressful lifestyle, have, are eating in a sympathetic state, right? A bear is chasing you all day long and that's the state you're eating in. You really deplete your stomach acid. And what is the consequence of that? Well, we need our stomach acid to continue our digestive process after the chemical and mechanical process of digestion starts in our mouth between our salivary enzymes and us masticating our food with our teeth and our jaw. We need it to finish that job. And if it's not finishing that job, you could have the most amazing diet in the world, but you're not going to be able to break apart the essential amino acids and the fatty acids to get your body to absorb them so that you can really build muscle and start losing weight. So I'd say that's a big theme that I see with a lot of stressed out people. And if you guys are suffering from that, here's how you would know you get heartburn you have bloating after a meal, you have gas after a meal. It's all the things you would think mean you have too much stomach acid. And it's actually quite the opposite. So test it out by taking a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar before you eat a meal, you know, test it out by sitting in front of your food and like five deep breaths before you eat, get yourself in that calm state and you'll be shocked at how much better your digestive system works. So that's a really common theme. Okay. That's, that's super helpful. I do feel like most people, I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of like acidity and, and, you know, alkaline versus acidic diets and all that stuff. Um, but it does seem like people are more afraid of having high acid when that generally doesn't seem to be the problem. Um, and just a little brief aside here, because we are talking a lot about food and nutrition, but I would imagine that of course, there's always more contributing factors, right? It's never like, oh, we'll just get you eating more vegetables or more protein. You're sorted now. There's always, there's always usually other stuff too. And like a lot of it is maybe just rampant lack of stress management, um, yes. terrible sleep. Um, but also, like you mentioned, this sort of sympathetic state all the time kind of situation. It's like, it's very easy to say that we are all way too stressed out, high cortisol, fight or flight all the time when the balance should be the opposite. Like we should, we should feel that sympathetic fight or flight, like very rarely, really like during a couple workouts, like that are, that are purposeful, that are, you know, high intensity and high stress. And then like a car accident and stuff like that. And the rest of the time we should feel pretty good, but (laughs) it's one thing to say that and to acknowledge it. And it's another thing to like be able to start enacting that in someone's life when they have super high stress jobs, when they are super hard charging people. So like, how do you incorporate that stuff and when, um, into a client's work where it's like, you know, you tell somebody who's like the CEO of some crazy company, like, Hey, you should be sleeping eight hours a night. And like, don't be so stressed out. And they're like, okay, Sure. You know what I mean? So like, how do you even start to like broach that subject with people like that? 
Yes. How and when are really the two key components. So it's the whole thing about meeting people where they're at. And so the how, I will sometimes do exactly what I just did with you a few minutes ago, where in the middle of one of our Zoom meetings, I'll be like, and I'll do one of those deep breaths just to see if I can get them to feel it just really quick. I'll like sneak it in there and they might be like, oh, oh, I never feel like that, you know? But the truth is when I was lawyering, I had a business coach who used to try to get me to do that. And I found it annoying. Like, you don't understand. I'm busy. I have 3000 things to do when I get back to the office. I was late getting here. I'm going to be late leaving. So you do have to meet people when you're at, but, but the, when is another thing, how and the, when, so again, when meeting people where they're at. And then I find that one of the most persuasive ways for me to convince people on these things like sleep, like parasympathetic versus sympathetic is especially because these people are often like me in that they are interested in the biohacking tools. I will pretty quickly, if they won't hear me say, you know what, here's what I'd like you to consider. I really want you to get an aura ring because an aura ring will allow them to see the data real time. And then they can understand, wow, my deep sleep is terrible. My REM sleep is terrible. I'm really not sleeping enough. I'm not recovered enough. And then we will go over their aura ring results so I can help them understand, look, the reason I care about this is because unless you're getting quality amounts of deep sleep every night, you can be killing it in the gym. I can be giving you lots and lots of protein, but you're not actually going to build muscle because you're sabotaging all of your stuff by being sleep deprived. And by the way, you're then increasing your ghrelin hormone and decreasing your leptin hormone. So now you're just hungrier, which is only going to make you gain weight. So it's, it's meeting them where they're at, I'd say, and then incorporating some biohacking tools. I really am paying attention to body language, interest, sort of where they've been in the last week since the last time we met. And if they couldn't even adhere to my plan for the whole week, then I know that I'm going to have to go a little bit slower with that particular client than someone else who's already tracking their food four days into working with me. So it does really vary in terms of the interest and the commitment that people have. And that's okay because everyone's on their own journey. I'm just their guide and I'm here to make them as successful as possible during our work together. Hey friends, bear with me for a quick second while I tell you about the company that made today's episode possible. It's going to be relevant to you, I promise. Uh, these are my friends over at Bioptimizers. They make gut health supporting products um, that are some of the highest quality, most effective that I certainly have ever tried, which is why I support them now and they support me really well. Um, they have a range of products, including their most popular, the ones that I'm using all the time, masszymes, uh, digestive enzymes, and their probiotic product. They also have a magnesium product that's really great. Um, they have another uh, gut health promoting collagen powder that's chocolate flavored that I take in the morning because of course it's chocolate flavored. It's awesome. But all of their products, they've probably got a, a dozen, are all about promoting gut health. And I started taking their stuff at the very beginning of the P word, the pandemic last year, because that was a while ago now. And um, it was when I was stuck inside, stress was really high. My food was great. I mean, my lifestyle was as on point as it could be when you're stuck inside the house, but I was experiencing some gut health related issues, some weird symptoms that I'd never had before. And I started taking their products religiously and it made an incredible difference like a significant difference. I almost couldn't believe how impressive it was. And I've been using it on and off ever since, mostly when I need to support my health around times of 
stress or travel or if I'm kind of off my diet or my lifestyle in any way. Um, but these are products that you can be taking all the time and they have made a, a huge difference in my life. And so that's why I want to pass that information along to you guys. So you can head to buyoptimizers.com or you can just click the link in the show notes and you can use the discount code, you guessed it, Muscle Maven, for a discount. Work on that gut health. It is important. Thanks guys for listening. Back to the show. Yeah. That's awesome. That, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And again, it is another one of those things that I, I feel like takes a lot of um, maturity and wisdom on the part of the coach too, because I think we talked about this on, on social media, but I, I recently did a podcast about coaching, right? Where I reached out to just general population, but people who were coaches, people who were coached and was asking questions about, um, what they saw as like the shortcomings of the other, the partner in this equation, right? Like uh-huh. what they were disappointed by or what they expected and didn't get. Um, and then kind of like walked through my, at least, you know, my two, this is my two cents. Okay. But as having been a coach and coached, I felt like I, you know, had some kind of insight into, into what was going on here and I didn't have a special interest one side or the other. So I could kind of tell both sides like, Hey, I got something you're not going to want to hear. Um, and I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, link, I'll link to that in this podcast so people can check that one out too. But one of the things that it seemed like was coming up for, um, clients is that, they were like, well, I, um, I paid all this money and I expect, I expected something that I didn't get, or they weren't personal enough, or they didn't get to know me enough or, you know, all of these things. And so then what that creates on the, on the side of the coach in some cases is this expectation of, okay, they've signed up with me. They trust me. They've given me some money. I have to give them every bit of information. I have to give them all now. I have to ramp it up. I have to impress them right away because if I do this in the gradual appropriate way that we should all be doing it, they're going to feel like they aren't getting their money's worth, right? Which I, I understand the frustration of it. And I've had to like adjust a lot of the the type of work that I'm doing. And even when I do a little bit of sort of coaching here and there, it's different now because I was having that frustration too, where like people would come to me and they'd seem really um, motivated and they'd be ready to invest. And then like a week into it, they'd fall off. And then I'd feel like I wasn't doing my job and they'd feel disappointed. Like, well, what did I hire her for if I'm not already completely transformed. And, you know, so there's like, there's this X, this expectation issue, I think on, on both sides. And I talk about in the podcast, how this, this coach client relationship is a relationship like any other in that, like, you have to do your research, but you have to know yourself. You have to communicate expectations clearly. The, The client can't expect the coach to know everything and know the answers and know how to help them. If you're not willing to be honest and talk about what's really happening or what you're really feeling or what you really want. Um, And I feel like a lot of times with that relationship, the issue is often a lack of communication. And I do tend to put sort of like the onus of responsibility. You tell me if what you think about this on the part of the client, because ultimately it is the client who is initiating this relationship. They're the ones 
doing the research, picking you, deciding that I'm going to work with you. And maybe they, they, maybe they don't do an intake call. Maybe they don't ask enough questions. Maybe they just see what you look like on social media and they're like, oh yeah, you know what yep. I mean? And, and yep. so I think ultimately if you're the one who's, who's decided you want to make this change and you're going to spend this money and you're going to invest this time in this person, I'm not saying that, you know, you, everything's on you and there's a reason why you're hiring an expert um, and a resource and somebody for accountability. But I just think that so often it's like these expectations aren't met because they aren't even articulated in the first place. So it's, I don't know. I just feel like it's a tough, it's a tough place that we're, we're all in, I guess, on either end, but it's this feeling, and this is what I'm getting to is for someone like you and someone like me, I feel like it can sometimes be tough to move as slowly as you need to, especially if the client, whether they're ready or not, is kind of pushing for more and more and like, well, give me more information. This like going for a walk and taking some deep breaths and like eating a little bit better. Like, what is that? Like, what did I pay you for? You know what I mean? So right. do you, do you struggle with that ever? Or how do you, how do you feel about that whole thing that I just word vomit that I just, <laughs> no, I'm totally following. And I actually yes. have a way to um, sort of, I don't want to say flip it, but just a, a point here that I think yeah. would be really helpful yeah. because I hear what you're saying. And I do have a variety of clients from all across the spectrum in terms of where they are at. Like I said, some are already working. I use Chronometer for my professional tracking subscription for their meals. Some are already using that a few days in of working with me. Some don't touch it three months in, right? So there is a variety. When I went back to school, because I'm now a functional nutritional therapist, one of the books we had to read that was so valuable for me was called motivational interviewing in healthcare. Hmm. And we had to do practice with other colleagues in the, in school about it. And it was actually because I'm a lawyer and because I'm used to deposing people and asking follow-up questions, follow-up question, follow-up question. This was very difficult for me because one of the ways that you are to motivationally get someone to start talking about their stuff and getting them to start reflect on where reflecting on where they are is rather than ask a question. So, so you share something with me and then I literally respond like this, which is so hard for me. I say, you sound exhausted. And then I stop. Okay. I don't, I don't ask a question. I just make a statement that signals to the person. I've totally heard you. I'm listening to you. And it's safe for you to share more. Mm. So this was difficult for me to learn because I thought, wait, I'm just going to reflect back a statement to them in, in terms of what they shared with me. But I'm telling you, one of my colleagues who did this to me when we were in school, we were practicing and it was amazing, even how much more I opened up to her and I knew what she was doing to me. So I'll just give this example. When I was in school, we, when we partnered up, the instructor was watching us and this woman said to me, okay, tell me about some particular health issue. And I made something up. And so the instructor said, so Kristen, is that something you're actually dealing with? And I said, no, no, I'm just, we're practicing here. She was, no, I want you to say something you're actually dealing with. I want you to see how this works. And I said, okay. So, I mean, this is just me always revealing too much of my personal information. I, at the time was struggling because I wasn't getting a cycle. This has been a constant theme in my life over and over, whether it's, you know, fasting too much or body fat issue, whatever. So I said, okay, so I haven't had my cycle. And at the time it probably was several months. And she then started to make these reflections. Okay. Well, that sounds frustrating. 
It is. And the reality is I don't really know why it's happening. It kind of started when I was 15 and then I had to be put on the birth control pill because I wasn't getting my period. I mean, all of a sudden I started word vomiting about all of this. She didn't ask me a single question, but I felt safe to continue to share because I could tell she was listening to me and it was actually my place to have the floor. And then for the first time, and this is why it works so well with my executive clients, you're actually pausing and thinking about your own life and like, huh, oh, and then I had to get prescription sunglasses when I was 16, because when I would drive in the snow in Minnesota in the winter, it was so bright. My eyes were so light. This is what I always thought. I'm like, oh, you have light green eyes. Oh, no. When you need sunglasses in the sun in the winter or anytime when it's really sunny out, it's a sign of adrenal fatigue. So here I had this huge revelation during this practice session that I basically had adrenal fatigue since I was 15. I actually started sobbing, thinking about all this, realizing, and that is when I kind of converted and started taking better care of myself. So my whole long story short is really as a coach, one of the most valuable tools I've started to implement is instead of peppering them with questions, actually just give them the space to talk. Let yourself as the coach get comfortable with the silence Mm -hmm. and reflect back and make a statement that reflects back to them what they've just shared with you. And then let them talk more. Even if you have to wait a little bit, just let the silence be there. This is such a good point because every one of us has these sort of preset notions about ourselves, like these answers, like canned answers that we believe probably are, at least on the surface, are real and are the answers. And so they're the ones we automatically give. And if the person listening to you's normal reaction is just to say, oh, that's your problem. Okay, here's a solution. Then we never really dig any deeper than Mm -hmm. that. But if Mm -hmm. if you're willing, which is again, like you said, very uncomfortable for many people, to not try to immediately get to a solution, but just to like listen and hear and let them continue to kind of get to the bottom of it in a way that it's so funny that you said it too, because you're obviously somebody who's like, of course, intelligent, but introspective. Like you knew what was happening here and it it still worked, right? It still worked. Yeah. It's really fascinating. I think that's so valuable. And I mean, it's obviously valuable for like all other things in life too, not just, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever your health issue might be at the moment, but being willing to kind of sit in that discomfort a little bit and let people continue to think and talk and work through it and not feel like you have to immediately provide the answer. I think exactly valuable. Exactly. Because if you think about it, what all of us really want at the end of the day is to be seen and heard for who we really are. That's what we want. And I think sometimes what coaches can get in the trap of, as you already mentioned, is we feel like this pressure because someone hired us and gave us this money that we have to immediately solve all these problems. But the problems actually are solved in large part by holding space for the client to work through some of this stuff themselves. I think of the best coaches I've had hold space for me. They actually are there to force me to during that hour, whatever time it is on the calendar, let me have that space to really think about, okay, if it's a business coach, what do I really want to create with energetically efficient? What are the things that I would like to accomplish this year? Why am I really doing this? What drives me? What kind of clients do I like the best? And because I can tend to go 110 miles an hour 
all day long, unless you really carve out space to, to have those reflections or introspections, you're not ever going to have them have them happen. And so that that's, that's, I guess, what I'm noticing in terms of my coaching as I'm evolving as a coach, yeah. I'm holding more space than I'm being so directive and so problem solving right away. So I hope that's, that's helpful. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, as we're having this awesome deep conversation, I just want to check in. Can you hear that there is like literally a tree being cut down in on my? I cannot. I cannot hear okay. at, at all. <laughs> is that happening in the backyard? That's definitely happening, like close by. And I'm like, this probably wouldn't be beneficial to the kind of um, attention that I were trying to have here. But this this is fine as long as you can hear it. I'm good. Okay. Um, all right, so let's bring it back a little bit to, because something that you mentioned earlier in the chat that I think is interesting and not something that I hear a whole lot um, in terms of improving people's nutrition, and it's like the basis I feel of your brand and what you offer is this efficiency mm -hmm. part of eating and how to eat. And really, I mean, I think like any kind of health like aspect of health is being energetically efficient, efficient with your choices. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what that means? Sure. What I observe people doing most days is overcomplicating everything when it comes to health and nutrition. So part of my job I see as the coach is how do I not only teach them really how weight loss works, how gaining muscle works, how getting in your parasympathetic state works. Not only do I give them the science of that, but I believe that I have to teach them in a way that's experiential so that they can feel it and live it so that they learn it. So what I'm doing with my clients is how do I give them the most efficient workouts during the week so they can get back to the rest of their life? How do I give them the most efficient meal plans so that they don't feel like they're making a 27-course dinner every night of the week because they don't have time for that? So I would say that if I could give just three tips on it, if it comes to nutrition and then workouts and then lifestyle. So for nutrition, it's let's not overcomplicate the meals, guys. All you have to do every time you eat is think, and I eventually feel like I want to trademark this, prioritize protein, fill in with fat carefully add carbs, mm -hmm. period. That's what you do. So if you prioritize your protein, you literally ask yourself, you know, in my perfect world, it's animal protein. We could go down that rabbit hole, but what's my animal protein at this meal? And then what is the fat that I'm going to have? And then what are the low glycemic carbs? I would prefer that they be vegetables. That is a meal. And that isn't complicated. I would say one of my go-to, and this doesn't have really much by way of carbs, but one of my go-to meals when I was lawyering was a protein shake and like an F-bomb nut butter so that I had protein and fat. That's really quick on the go. It would fuel me. I could get back to what I was doing and it doesn't take a long time. So efficiency. Feel, I just want to interject because yeah. yes. I know you're going to tell me a lot of good stuff and I don't want to forget these questions, but do you ever feel with that specifically? Do you like, by the way, that I have a mermaid pen in my hand? Beautiful. It's appropriate. I wanted to show you that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever feel that that that's a bigger hurdle for some people than you think? And I wonder if part of it is because like you and I both have a bodybuilding background. So we understand the concept of like functional food 
that is efficient and effective. And it doesn't have to taste gross, but it's not fancy. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to have this much color and this many different textures and be beautifully plated in the thing. Like, cause I, I deal with a lot of people who, who really have that problem. Like they'll send me their meals and I'm looking at them and some are, some of them are great and some of them aren't so much, but I'm like, geez, who has the time to make these, you're doing this every day. Like what I would consider would be like a, a special Friday meal with my loved ones or my friends. Like they're creating these twice a day for lunch and dinner because it's like, and I don't know if it's, if it's a culture of like what they see online or if it's just expectations from their family or maybe like other cultural influences or whatever it could be. But that's kind of like a big thing for people. Cause I feel like sometimes people, if they, get to the point where they're like meal prepping, you know, their sweet potato and their ground beef and their salads. And then they're just throwing them together and they feel like, oh, this is like, I'm, it's like a settling or something. It's like, oh, well, I'm doing this, you know, functional, like bodybuilding food. That's just ugh, like, cause they, it's not pretty. Like, is that, do you find that's an issue? Cause I, I see that a lot. I think the issue as I would describe it is people are shocked by what I define as a meal. Yeah. Right. That's really what you're saying. So I'll say, Hey, your meal today for whatever it might be, if it's something they're having in the afternoon, if it's a lunch is three eggs and half an avocado, there's your meal. That's it. You already, you have them hard boiled at the office with you. We cut an avocado. I mean, that is so fast. I used to do chicken thigh shredded and just pour nut butter on it. By the way, it's like pad thai. You don't have to have a lot of fancy stuff. You're absolutely right. So I do agree with you there's a little bit of a mind shift that has to happen yeah. because I think in our, in our society, it's this, it's this, um, I don't know if the term is variety or colorful. It's a lot of the stuff that you just used and how you were describing it, but it's this program. I like to talk about things as a program that people have about how meals look when they're supposed to be eaten, how many times a day you have to eat. We, Humans are so programmed in a variety of ways that they've lost a lot of touch with, am I really hungry? How does this make me feel? Do, does my digestion get upset after I eat that? So one of the things I really work on with clients is having them have a lot more body awareness. It's like, I need you in your body. When I say in your body, I mean, I need your soul in your body, paying attention to what's going on with your physical system. So we work on that during my work together so that they can become aware of, wow, my body really does like this. Who knew that I actually liked red meat? It makes me feel good. My muscles are getting stronger, those kinds of things. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's, it's a, it's a programming. I refer to a lot of things that people are going through right now as you're programmed yeah. and I'm going to deprogram you and I'm going to reprogram you. That is your program. It's not mine. It's yours. So you're going to learn what I'm going to teach you. You take what you like, you leave the rest. And that's, that's how I feel like people can learn this and thrive long-term. Okay, cool. That's, yeah, that's helpful because I completely agree with the programming side of it. And I also agree that like another thing we've been programmed to believe is that food should be hyper palatable, yes. beautiful, immediate, cheap, 
ready at every street corner because so often it is right. So people expect, and especially again, we're going back to like high powered execs who might be buying their lunches and dinners every day or having them brought in or whatever. And they're always plated and they're always fancy and all this stuff. And people do have this expectation that if that's not what it is, then I'm not eating properly. Um, and so that does that there's a little bit of unlearning that has to happen there. And also it's like, just give yourself a break. Like, do you, you know, like the, the amount of pressure you're putting on yourself to like create these like, you know, five-star meals for every, for every time you sit down. But anyway, okay. So I was interrupting you. You were talking about like sort of your three, you're going to yeah. trademark your, uh, <laughs> your three main uh, rules there. Right. So with the nutrition, it's really that prioritized protein, fill in with fat, and then carefully add carbs. And then when it comes to workouts, and you and I have talked about this before, people always find this fascinating. My strength training is twice a week for 30 minutes. So I recently, just because I knew this podcast was coming up, I started over the weekend rereading Body by Science, the Doug McGuff. It's just mm -hmm. such a fantastic old school book, mm -hmm. but it's so valuable in terms of, I'd say this primary takeaway, which is you can work out way less than you are exercising if you work out more intensely. And it's like, what does that mean? My goal, just like it was when I was at the gym this morning, strength training, is every single exercise that I do is to get to momentary muscle failure. So the way that we build our muscles bigger, which is obviously going to improve your body composition, which is going to make you lose body fat and increase your lean muscle tissue, which is good for longevity, anti-aging, mobility, flexibility of cardiovascular benefit, you name it. We know now that the science is there to say that strength training is far more important than cardio. Strength training has a way better cardiovascular benefit than cardio. So I don't want the excuse from my clients that they don't have the time or that getting lean takes a lot of time or this, this misnomer that came from, I'll call it the 90s, that we have to be doing all these quote-unquote aerobics, maybe it was the 80s, all these quote-unquote aerobics and spend all this time in the gym. You just don't. If you can go into the gym and I recommend having a trainer take you through a 30-minute workout that's very, very challenging, maybe it's a friend, very, very challenging and very intense, you can have so much more bang for your buck than spending an hour at the gym every single day. So yes. I don't know. I mean, you and I have talked about that and you are of the same mind. I think a lot of people don't work out hard enough. Yes. Well, first of all, anybody who's listening, got to check you out on Instagram because you'll post some videos of your intense short <laughs> workouts. And it's, it's a great example too, because I think people don't always get it or see, and they're like, but how, how could you get, how could you really get that good of a workout? And it's like, watch and learn, like see how this actually works. But I completely agree with you. And I think that's another massive programming issue, programming, literally coaches are programming maybe suboptimally, but also programming in your head is that people feel like if they aren't putting in hours at the gym, they're lazy. And mm -hmm. if they're not, um, if they're recovering, if they're taking time off, if they're taking downtime, if they're doing passive recovery days where they're just going for a walk and hanging out, they're losing their gains, they're missing their gains, which is of course the exact opposite because yep. in the gym is when you're breaking yourself down. It's when you're taking care of yourself outside of the gym that you're building yourself back up. But I completely agree with you because I get people coming to me that are like, well, you know, you gave me just an example, like as part of a workout, whatever, you gave me like this five minute, eight minute hit workout. It's like, couldn't I just do that for 15 minutes or 20 minutes? I'm like, not if you're doing it right, you can't. 
Exactly. If you're, if you're doing this properly, you cannot do this for 20 minutes. Like I'm telling you, you got to like, and, and that is like you said, where it is very helpful when you can have a coach or somebody knowledgeable go in and really show you. But there is an element too of this. And I'd love to see how you navigate this situation because there is a difference in trained individuals and untrained individuals. Because if you're somebody who has not does not have a history of strength training, weightlifting, high intensity work. Sometimes you are not yet able to get the intensity required to get a good workout in a five minute hit session or a 30 minute muscle building session, right? Like people just physically are not capable of it yet. And like, they will be, they've got to work their way up to it. But how do you work necessarily with somebody who's like, who just physically cannot do, you know, cause like I, I've worked with clients where it's like, I would love to give them some kind of sprint hill sprint or, you know, burpee hit workout or assault bike thing. And it's like, they, they can't physically get to that level where it's doing what we want it to do. So how do you navigate that? Yep. So my short answer is I have them focus on strength training. Yep. So I don't even incorporate any of that more sprint type work Power, or cardiovascular stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because the strength training really, especially because I have this local gym that I've talked to you about before that I refer a lot of my clients to so that they can be supervised with a personal trainer. You know, I'm a functional nutritional therapist. I'm not a personal trainer. So even when I train, I have personal trainers who train me. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really interested in is always doing my workouts like that supervised. So whether I'm training at Discover Strength or whether I'm training with one of my um, dear friends, Stacy Clark at a gym called Tiger Fit here in the Twin Cities, they are skilled and trained in understanding how the muscles work in a way that's going to totally get me to exhaustion. So I send clients to those gyms to be doing workouts with them so that they have a specialist helping them. And the truth is not everyone is ready for the jumping around in a heated studio doing burpees. You're exactly right. So it it really is meeting people where they're at, but everyone, and I mean this truthfully, everyone, no matter where they are at, can, and in my opinion, should start strength training, period. It's the most important thing you can do to improve every metabolic health marker that you have. It will reduce and get you out of insulin resistance. It will give you more energy. It will give you more mobility. It clears, as we know, the glucose glycogen out of the muscles and the liver to use that to fuel the exercise. And so I have clients who come to me who are so far away from insulin sensitivity that they are either insulin resistant or borderline diabetic. And we have to reverse that not only through nutrition, but I'm like, it is critical that you are strength training at least twice a week so that we can empty out all of that stored stuff in your system is kind of the, the, the most simplistic way to put it. And so that will only accelerate their progress if they're doing it on top of the nutrition. And then another thing is, I agree with you that it really does have to be focused, intense workouts. And, and I know you and Rachel have talked about this before. I don't want people to ignore or not think about the NEAT, the non-exercise active thermogenesis. So one of the reasons that I have my clients get aura rings when they're willing to is I want to know how many steps they have in a day. And this thing is way more accurate than what you're tracking on your Apple phone, because then you have to have your phone physically on you all the time, which I don't want anyways, because of EMF. So I want this on them. And I am shocked by how little some humans move. I mean, it is fascinating, Ashley, right? 
It's crazy. And this is probably one of the bigger issues with um, what's been going on in the last like year with people being locked in, locked down, not going to work, not seeing their families, not being as social, being told to stay indoors. You know, they're in, in the normal before times, you there were a lot there was a huge subset of of society and i'm talking about like north american culture generally where you could get through a day a productive day at work and picking up your kids and making dinner and walk less than a thousand steps right it's but so now, true now we're in an environment where you're like being encouraged not to go out and and move more and do things and interact and it's even more important, more important now. Like people, when they stayed home, they're like, oh, well, if I don't have my gym, I guess I got to get this home gym and I got to get a workout plan. And like, yes, all that is great. But this is when you double down on the knee. This is when you try not yes. to sit all day and not go for walks and to stay in the same place all day. Cause that, that inertia, it's like what kills you. If you stay, if you sit, you get comfortable there, you're going to stay sitting and then it's harder to get up and it's harder to move. And yeah, people have such a hard time with that. And I struggled with it too, because you know where you live, where I live, there's a vast period of time every year that it is yeah. not awesome to spend a lot of time <laughs> outside. Like it's one thing if you like winter sports, great, go skiing. Okay. But when it's, you know, I'm talking Celsius here because I'm Canadian, but like when it's minus 25 it's not the same experience to go for an hour long walk as when it's, you know, 70, 80 degrees, whatever. So it's tough, but like, this is, this is crucial for your health. Um, I think a lot of people think that they can get by if they do beast mode CrossFit workouts four days a week, but the rest of the time you are working 16 hour days and sitting on your ass. And it, that, that balance does not work out. It's so true. I've actually had a couple of clients just to give people a couple of takeaways on this. I had a client who was incorporating some running again after we've been working together for a while. And so I said to him, this was one of my male clients. I said, okay, you've got the aura ring. I want you to notice what your steps are on your days when you're running, because the truth is, and this is going to be counter to what you probably think I'm going to say on the days he was running, then he would just sit the rest of the day. Yes. And here's the truth. I noticed that I would do that. I would notice I would sit more on the mornings I'd run. So I thought, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Pay attention. Still take your lunch walk. One of the best gifts I have is these two golden retrievers that demand my attention to get outside. And it's awesome. But I cannot impress upon people enough how important getting all of that movement in during the day is for their long-term health and longevity. So I know that most people say they hear 10,000 steps, okay? I focus on at least 15,000 a day. Most days I have over 20. And I know that sounds like a ton, but it is so important to be moving. I used to pride myself on how many bags of groceries can I carry in at once from the, from the truck to get in the house? Now it's like, I'm going to take one. I'm walking back. I'm going to take one. Yes. I'm walking back. And I just do it to get more steps in because yeah. the movement really matters. Movement yeah. matters for yeah. sure. Try to try to park far away from the grocery store instead of close. Cause it's like these little things. And I feel like once people can switch their mindset about that, it's actually empowering because for individuals who are intimidated by, by the gym are not as, um, gung-ho about working out like we're in a weird subsection where we like love that pain and that exertion not everybody does or that you have to learn to love it it's an acquired taste for some people so when you learn that like you don't have to go beast mode if you don't want to guys all you have to do is 
go for a walk and yeah. listen to a podcast or, you know, take yeah. the stairs or, or just like every half an hour while you're sitting working, you think about it, you get up and you go for a walk, you grab, you know, a glass of water. Like that's the stuff that really adds up. Yep. Um, and I yeah. feel like, again, with a biohacking tool and I'll, I'll name our ring cause I use it so much in my practice. It really matters when people can see the data, when they see, okay, I only had 2,400 steps today. And I tell them, you literally should have a minimum of 10,000, but I'd love for you to be over 15. They're like, oh, oh my God. It, it brings it into perspective yeah. because then they all of a sudden realize how sedentary they are. It's one thing like, you know, we've got the little alert on our phone that tells us how much time we've been on social media or whatever. You know, until people started seeing that, you can be in a lot of denial about what your actual habits are. And then you see the data and it forces you out of your denial. It forces you. So on that point, actually, that's the other tool that I use. Every client that hires me, I require them right away before we even start working together. They have to get a bod pod or a DEXA scan in a perfect world. They'd have, I like bod pods better than DEXAs. Obviously DEXAs are the gold standard, but because I want them to do one in the beginning of our work, six weeks in and at the end, I, this is, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but a DEXA is like an MRI machine. I don't want people doing DEXAs all the time. Mm. I don't want you doing that scanning for EMF reasons, et cetera. Bod pods are safe. So I have my clients do those. And then that's another tool when they see, wow, I'm starting at 45% body fat. And I tell them, look, healthy for women is 28 or under. Then it's like, we have some work to do, but it, it allows us to have a starting point. I'm, I said, my job is to snap you out of your denial. I'm going to educate you and give you wisdom about how this works. And I'm not going to let you engage in this escapism behavior anymore. Mm -hmm. I understand it. We all do it. I've done it before. And my job is to hold you accountable so that you don't want to escape. And I'm going to help you elevate your food frequency during our work together so that, so that we can have you not go back there. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about this food frequency thing. First though, I just want to ask, and I don't know why, maybe this is something I need to uncover about my own psychology. I don't know why I'm so interested in finding like, um, patterns or, or like the reasons behind stereotypes or something. I just feel like it can be useful, right? Like, cause we talk, we've talked before. I talk all the time about how generally speaking, I find it much harder to get women to eat animal protein than men. We've been mm -hmm. programmed again to believe that laughing with low fat yogurt in our hands is how women get healthy. <laughs> um, you know, all that kind of BS. Right. But I also find not even talking about the protein thing, um, the, the, in like running, you mentioned running and like endurance running and endurance sports versus, strength training, because those can go together as you have proven, but not always. And, and yeah. maybe it's not always optimal and whatever. Um, but I feel like there does tend to be a trend a lot of times with these, um, again, like type a executive type, um, looking for a certain kind of endorphin rush, which again, you can argue you can get from strength training, but we all know, and I've run a couple marathons super slowly too. So like, I'm sort of, I, I get where you're coming from and I get mm -hmm. that runner's high. And I understand yeah. what that feeling is. Um, do you have, do you find that you have a hard time um, transitioning men or women and not to say you can't run anymore, but if you're trying to maybe prioritize some muscle growth with people and get some of the strength training in, do you ever get some pushback from that where people are like, I just want to run my 10 miles a day, every day. Don't take that away from me. And how do you, how do you work around that? 
Yes, I definitely get that pushback a little bit. And it depends on obviously the client. It tends to be more from women and it tends to be from women who have a long history of running. And so what I try to help them understand is that running is anti-tissue and strength training is pro-tissue. So if we want to build muscle tissue, strength training is the only way you're going to do that. You are, guys, everyone should hear this. You are not going to build muscle while you're running. It is the opposite type of mechanism that's happening in our body. So when you are running, you are catabolizing tissue. That means breaking down. Now, granted, when you're strength training, you're catabolizing just during the strength training workout. But the second you're done and you start recovering, it's an anabolic phase that you're in so that you're building that lean muscle tissue. So I, I think the biggest way is to show, and I sometimes still use my own bod pods, my history of bod pods as an example of things that I was doing or not doing at certain times as my body fat was going up and down. Mm-hmm. So when I got ready for my first bodybuilding show, I did reduce my running. I increased my strength training to one extra day a week. I ate 200 grams of protein per day. I ate six small meals a day that literally were protein and vegetables. I think I was eating probably about 60 to 70 grams of fat. And then every fourth day, I would cycle in a carb up where a carb up for me is 150 grams of carbs, right? That's still a low carb diet. And in four to six weeks, I need to look at what the exact date was. I gained seven pounds of lean muscle tissue and lost 5% body fat, which was like, right? So it is the animal protein. I was doing animal protein at every meal. And then I was strength training a ton. That's what's going to change your body composition. And here's what I really want people to hear. And I've shared this on stage at KetoCon. My weight went up by 0.3. So, right. If I had been on a scale and I had been doing this, this, you know, intense bodybuilding diet and not seeing the weight change, I would have been frustrated thinking this isn't working, forget it. I'm not going to do this anymore, but I didn't let myself get on a scale the whole time. And I did a bod pot at the beginning and bod pot at the end protein and animal protein and lifting weights is going to build muscle every day of the week. I mean, if we just keep saying it (laughs) over and over again, till we die, somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna catch on. It's gonna be great. No, it totally. And it takes a while. It does. And here's the thing guys, like the reason you don't hear this in mainstream media is because there aren't huge corporations selling it. So you get programmed with big box cereal, big pharma, all of those things are programs. And so people wake up to that and understand they're programmed whenever they're ready. There's nothing you and I can say that's going to force them out of that sooner than they're ready. And I'm still going to keep saying it because I want once people do wake up for them to go, oh, Maybe I shouldn't believe all the stuff I've been told since the 80s about how I was supposed to eat and, and all of the different reasons that quote unquote whole grains are so good for me. Gross. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not <laughs> easy to package an actual healthy lifestyle and sell it because it's just, yes. you know, autonomy and decisions, that good decisions you make for yourself. It's not a product. So yeah. that's unfortunate for humanity trying to get healthy, but I guess the more that we just keep shouting it from the rooftops, the better off we'll be. Um, And, and leading by example, which is what we're doing, you know, the leading by example and having people get attracted to people that are really, really embodied. They speak about and live what they speak about and they're living it and they're healthy and they're not worried about whatever pandemic may be going on in the world. mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's, you know, I keep saying, this is a game of survival of the fittest and I intend to win. 
Hell yes. Okay. I kind of wish we could end it on that because that was a really good quote, but I do have a couple more quick questions for you and sure. then we'll end it. Sure. Um, Perfect. What do you, what are your thoughts in general? No, you're obviously pro animal protein. You're getting into some organ meats, obviously appreciate yep. that. What are your thoughts generally speaking for yourself and also for your clients? Like, is it kind of like make the best in terms of quality, make the best choices with what you have available to you? Do you try to get them started on like beef specifically or not? Are there some pro animal protein sources you're not a fan of? What do you think generally? So I do try to get my clients to consume a variety of animal protein sources. And by that, I mean, I, in a perfect world, I would have them all eating eggs, beef, chicken, thigh. I really rarely use chicken breast. I use chicken thigh more because of course the leucine and it's got healthy fat, um, salmon. I've started to incorporate more shrimp and cod and some of the white fish, which is fantastic. Certainly organ meats. I'd say that I use bacon for sure, more for flavor, but I don't tend to use a lot of pork. So I'm not putting a lot of pork chops on menu items in part because I think that it's, it's a little more um, of a detoxification issue. I think pork sometimes is just harder for our bodies to process, but if people like it, I use that. I'll use pulled pork. I just don't use it as much. Okay. So that's really kind of the summary. And then I, I really do rely heavily on only clean whey protein powders, but I have a lot of clients who really want to gain muscle. And I think it is perfectly appropriate with a well-formulated low carbohydrate diet to consume whey protein powder every day, as long as it's clean. Yep. I just put on my story this morning because I lifted this morning. Um, and this was on following a recent video I had seen of our friend Thomas DeLauer. I was on stage with him at, at um, Keto Summit Omaha a couple of years ago. And he had just put out some information that came out on a study recently about doing the essential amino acids with the whey protein. So I mixed that this morning and I feel amazing after having that. And I really like that Ben Greenfield key on aminos. I don't know if you've tried that one, but I think that essential amino acid is a really clean, flavorful essential. I don't yeah. ever do branch chain amino acids. I don't recommend BCAAs. I do essential only because then it gets the whole mix of all nine together. Yep. And then I mix that with a marigold grass-fed whey protein, which has a really good amino acid profile. So I mix those together. And then, and then now I'll focus on at least two more times today, getting really high quality animal protein, maybe three times because I lifted this morning. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Keon products. Actually. I think they're what I've tried has been really good. I want to get my hands on some Marigold. Once I get back to the States, they can't ship it up here, which makes me sad. I know. Cause those bars look so good too. Like I, I just, I, 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 I have, I have a serious relationship with those bars. I mean, we are in a long-term committed, it's almost a marriage. It will become passionate. marriage. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. Just mm -hmm. taking a look at those bad boys. Cause I, I mean, similar to you with the, like the way and supplements and all these things. And again, like maybe I just have to have you on five more times. Cause there's so many things we can talk about, yes. but like supplementation, it's the same as like the biohacking thing. I think it's like, it's it depends on the individual. Sometimes it's, it's quite necessary. Sometimes it's just useful. Sometimes it's just fun to try and have. And if you have the ability to do it, why not? Um, in a lot of cases, a good whey protein or, you know, supplements of some kind, whether they're EAAs or, you know, magnesium or what, what have you can actually be, can make a big difference. It's just that people tend to kind of 
prioritize the timing of these things. Like they try to like mm -hmm. skip to the biohacking or skip to the supplementation before they kind of manage all of the like really key lifestyle factors first, where you need to get the, you need to get the foundation. Then you play with all this stuff that comes, you know. Yes. And I'm a huge fan of supplements as long as they're quality. So my top recommendations are always high quality vitamin D, high quality fish oil, high quality magnesium. And I'm using those with a lot of clients. And then the ones who have the major stomach acid insufficiency. I'm also using a stomach acid supplement called Hydrozyme from Biotics Research Corporation, which is high quality, or they can use regular apple cider vinegar. Yep. But those tend to be kind of my go-tos. And the vitamin D that I use is emulsified. So a lot of people get nervous about vitamin D toxicity because it has to go through the liver. So if you get an emulsified vitamin D, which is what I take, it's basically the short version is it's kind of already digested for you. So it's much more bioavailable and it doesn't have to go through your liver and be processed that way. So mm. that I found to be really good. And then I have a really high quality fish oil and magnesium. Sweet. Yeah. Do you ever work with vegetarians or vegans or is it kind of one of those things where, okay, so you'll like work around it and be like, this isn't ideal, but if this is what you're stuck to, we'll, we'll try our best kind of situation. Yeah. So I had a vegetarian client that I worked with last year for several months and I was on top of what she was actually, I should say, she was willing to eat fish, which made it a lot easier. So if they're willing to eat fish, that's huge because she also desired to put on muscle. And so I had to just spend time during our meetings together, educating her about the difference between a complete protein and a not complete protein and why I needed her to be incorporating some more of this animal protein eventually if she was open to it. So she has done that. But what I also did was I gave her some really, I incorporated every day into her plan, <clears throat> excuse me, some really important essential amino acids. She had to take those because the truth is that's what she was missing yep. in her diet. And then obviously we supplemented with some B vitamins and other things that, that vegetarians tend to be missing. Yep. Okay. Um, last big question. Um, and I don't know if I wrote this down right, but you, you talk about it's nutritional efficiency. Is that the term or what? It... Oh, in terms of food frequency yeah, or food frequency, food frequency. Yes. So is that how often you're eating and how much or because that's, I feel like that's kind of something people don't really talk about a lot. And, but I mean, I guess, again, this could go down the rabbit hole of like to fast or not to fast six meal or one big meal, like all that stuff. And the, the wisdom the the mainstream wisdom goes back and forth with it. But is that what you're talking about? And is that like a key element of the work that you do with your clients? Yeah. Great question. So I actually am not talking about that in terms of frequency, but I can totally understand how it could sound that way. Okay. What I'm talking about in terms of frequency is that we are all energetic beings that vibrate at a certain frequency. And so part of what I'm doing, whether or not my clients understand it or know it, is I'm working to what I call elevate their food frequency, meaning I want to help them break through the distortions and the lineage patterns and the parental conditioning and the societal conditioning, everything that basically has been thrown at them. If you picture mud being thrown at someone and getting stuck to you, we all have that. We have a bunch of mud stuck on us energetically. And so part of what I'm doing with my clients that I think makes what I do unique is I'm helping them pull that off. Now, I do that because I do a lot of frequency work. And so I have coaches that I rely on to help elevate my frequency so that I'm vibrating at a higher level. So that allows me to help impart that on my clients. But then I also 
depending on how open they are to it and depending on where we are at together in our work, I may ask them, I'd really like you to consider doing a session with my meditation coach, for example. Most of them are very, very willing to do it. And the amount of breakthroughs that we're able to have, Ashley, in terms of them basically dropping and releasing the food patterning that kept them stuck. Because let's say they had some energetic cord tied to their mother and their mother has a lot of food issues. If I can have my meditation coach work on them energetically and cut that cord, all of a sudden, everything becomes easier for them with food. So that's where I feel like it's it's a next level food coaching that I desire not only to teach you this stuff and to get you to lose weight and improve your body composition, but what I really desire even more than that is for you to never go back to the old patterns you had that got you to this place in the first place. And so that's what I call sort of the next level coaching, which is I am changing your frequency on an energetic level so that you don't get into what I'll refer to as the shame, guilt, spiral about how you just quote unquote binged or how you went off plan or how it's like, okay, that happened. Now, what are we going to do and how are we going to deal with it? I'm not going to let you hide from me, you know, be in denial and feel guilty about this. We're snapping you out of that and we're elevating your frequency so that you don't go back to that shame spiral. Okay. I love that. And I actually, it's funny because we had talked about that briefly offline um, and you were like, you know, it's a little woo woo, but whatever. But I really (laughs) do feel like, listen, there is some stuff out there that's just like pure snake oil, woo woo craziness. And if you like it, you like it and it's fine. I'm not here to judge. However, I think a lot of the things that we label woo woo tend to be just because we don't have like a current mainstream explanation for how and why it works. Like nothing about this sounds crazy and out there to me, you know, like, I think Mm -hmm. sometimes it's how you knowing how to, um, verbalize it or explain it to different individuals who are going to accept it in different, you know, ways. Um, but I think, I really think that a lot of the stuff that we, that some people may dismiss as being silly or made up or woo, it's just because you don't understand it. And like, there's tons of stuff that we do and experience and use every day that we don't understand. And we are fully bought into the, to the, efficacy and the reality of it. We, and we don't ever for a minute think about how it works, turning on the light and modern medicine and, you know, cars and stuff. Like most of us don't know how any of that stuff works. And we're, yes. we don't think it's magic. We, we recognize that someone understands and that there's, there's some real work going on behind the scenes that we just don't get. So, um, that's really important. And is that something that you, this again, might be like you said, sort of next level coaching, like you might, start with more practical stuff like, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to help you like do this audit, do this exorcism of your, your pantry and like go over your diet and work on this stuff. And then as they start to maybe have a bit more trust, see some results, start to feel better, that kind of stuff. Then you start to like talk about, okay, well, cause it's almost like this is the next step in when you don't have me anymore or you to yep. help how do I, what, well, what's next then? Because I can't, it's not really sustainable to live your entire life with a coach telling you exactly what to eat all the time. So at a certain point, you do need to figure these things out for yourself. So yeah. is this kind of what that next step is? Yes, exactly. So what I like to say is, and this is my meditation coach and I have partnered together and hosted retreats around the world, obviously out of the country pre-COVID. But so I like to say what she and I are able to accomplish together is help people understand that it's really about where the physical and the metaphysical meet. So I'm working in the physical and people hire me because they want to get healthier in the physical. 
But the truth is that in order for me to really get you healthy long-term, you have to open up to some of this metaphysical stuff whenever you're ready. So that is, I think, what's the next level. And to get a little more woo-woo about it, it's really about breaking away those distortions and taking the mud off so that you can vibrate at your most higher being. So the things like the massive cupcake number five at the birthday party isn't interesting to you anymore. I desire to make it so that that stuff isn't tempting to you. So I'll give you just a little small example for some, some women who have suffered, for example, sexual abuse in their past may hold on to weight around their hips, around their midsection, around their belly for protection. It's energetic. And as soon as they can release some of that trauma from their cells and start working through that and really cry it out. And it may be that my meditation coach is helping with that. Those kinds of things, you can have a major weight loss breakthrough because of an energetic frequency issue that you didn't even connect. Our cells have memory. Our cells hold trauma in our bodies. So I'm really interested in helping people understand that that's another aspect of this weight issue is that if you can really break through some of the, the, whether it's childhood or adult or whatever kind of trauma, when we can get rid of that, you can really make leaps and bounds in terms of progress. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm like, I, I love talking to you because I, I feel your energy when we talk, like I feel just how, I mean, high energy, but the, just sort of like the joy and the passion that you have in doing this stuff and how sincere and authentic and how much you love it. And I can only imagine how beneficial that is for people who are coming to you that are feeling so lost and stressed out. Um, what you're doing is so important. I remember when we first met and it was just, it was one of the, one of the events, KetoCon or something. Yeah. And besides the fact that I was like, okay, you've got some great calves. Um, the energy was very, it was very apparent and I was attracted to it immediately. So, um, listen, I'll let you go now. This has been a little while, but please come back on because oh, we have so much more we can talk about. Um, I I'd love to, time. yeah, I I'd love to so much. And I just adore you because I do feel like when I met you, it's like, wait, who is this long lost sister? I haven't had like, Hey, <laughs> Like all of the things. Yeah, that's literally it. And I've said this to you before, Ashley, but you are so fantastic at asking questions. And it's clear to me that you've got a history in this and that you're practiced in it. It's very useful because I really like doing these with people who know how to ask the right questions and really listen. So congratulations for that, because I really it's really fun to talk to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's important, you know, again, it's like one of those, I'm, I'm never pretending to be, I feel like I know a lot and I continue to learn and I like to learn and it's important to me, but like, I'm never, I don't think I'm ever going to be like the authority, maybe in organ meats, but that's a pretty niche subject, but, but <laughs> I, awesome one. <laughs> I feel like my value is in how curious I am and how I, how much I want to get from people like you and from smart people who have things to offer the world. There is a lot of value in being like a conduit, you know, and like being able to connect you with the people who are listening, who are going to be helped by you. Um, so I agree. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. So next question, do you, are you taking clients? So I just got to the point where I have a wait list for one-on-one -on -one clients. Okay. So I will be within the next several weeks. So people can still reach out to me. I just finished a detox course that was two weeks in length that I'm going to run again in August. Okay. I'm also going to run my eight week nutrition course at some point in the next few months. I just haven't figured out the date. So my website is energeticallyefficient.com. My Instagram is mngoldengirl. And then, you know, people can reach out to me in, in those ways. 
Awesome. I am, I am on Facebook. I don't use it as much, but LinkedIn too, because executives and, and other professionals, LinkedIn has been a good social media platform for me just because so many of my clients live there. So yep. that makes sense. Yep. Um, I'll put all that in the show notes too. So people can find you, Kristen, you are the best. I'm going to go crush some protein. It's time. Love it. It's yes. Been, it's been over an hour. <laughs> Love it. Thank you again for your time. Let's stay in touch. Come back on soon. Will do. Thanks so much, Ashley. I appreciate it. That's all, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were uh, nice and efficient during this podcast, maybe making some food, going for a walk, something super impressive like that. That's what I always do when I listen to a podcast so that I feel like I'm doubling up my productivity. You know, you can't take the type A out of the girl. You just can't. Um, Thank you again for being here. Definitely go check out Kristen. She is amazing. She shares so much great uh, information on Instagram. We'll put that in the show notes. Reminder, too, that if you are looking for um, a little bit of one-on-one resources, maybe I'll, I'll put it that way, but without the kind of micromanagement, I do offer, it's kind of a new uh, coaching resource that I've put out there that provides you with basically all of my key tips and tricks for grocery shopping, meal prep, hydration, sleep, exercise, like all the basics. This isn't like a fine tuning thing. This is a like, get back on the wagon and get your get yourself together kind of uh, approach. And I have offered this in an online platform that also gives you access to me personally as your coach, not necessarily in the typical, let's talk on a Zoom every week and I'll send you meal plans, but more of a, you've given me all this information. Can you answer this question for me? What do you think about this tactic? How do you feel about this fasting protocol, whatever? I'm there to answer your questions for you. So I kind of look at it like it's the uh, happy medium between having no help and trying to navigate all of the world's online resources and uh, internet influencers and sift through it. And then the other side of things where you're paying big money for someone to tell you exactly what to do. I think that there is a place in the middle where you can be empowered and learn um, while still having um, somebody on your side to help you out and just weigh in and be objective. So if you're interested in that, I'm going to put that in the show notes. You can also reach out to me on my website, ashleyvanhouten.com. You can go check me out on Instagram at the muscle maven. Ask me about this online coaching and I will send you more information. And that's that. Thank you so much to show sponsor Bioptimizers. They are the makers of my favorite probiotic, digestive enzymes, magnesium products, all the gut health promoting products that we all from time to time may need. Um, I've been using their stuff since basically the pandemic started and it's kept me happy and, you know, doing the right thing digestively, if you know what I mean. Even those of us with optimal diets need some help every now and then. So check out their products, buy optimizers. Uh, the link is in the show notes. Use the code, of course, Muscle Maven to save you some money. And let me know what you think if you try this stuff out. I always want feedback. Feedback all the time, good and bad. Just, you know, be nice about it. All right, guys, that's it. Enjoy your week. I'll see you here next week with another amazing guest. I appreciate you. Get outside and get some sun. Thank you.